Good morning. Am I on? We got this cool new mic, uh, and it didn't come in black. So I know that kind of looks a little weird for it. I, I Really, it's kind of my fault. I knew it was white. I shouldn't have wore a black shirt today. Uh, also, when you stand here, it likes to hum. I don't know if it's going to do it now. Oh, then maybe I will stay here. OK, cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun figuring out the new mic. <coughs> Excuse me. So OK. So does anyone remember the story of the blind man in John 9? We talked about it at uh, Sunday school. You know, the guy that Jesus makes the mud and heals him. So we're going we're gonna to recap that story. And I found a cool photo online. Uh, so oh, there it's doing it. I knew this would happen. OK, I'm going to stand here now. I don't know why. It's just right there that has that problem. So Jesus and his disciples are walking around, right? And they see this guy, and he's blind, and he's, he's begging on the street. And, and so the disciples are like, Jesus, why is this man blind? Is it the sin of him or was it the sin of his parents? Like, who did that? Who messed up? And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's not any of that. His sin, I, you know, bleh. he is blind to bring glory to God. And they're like, whoa, that's crazy. So then he goes over there and he's like, he, he spits in some dirt and he makes some money, wipes it on his eyes. He goes, go take a bath in the pool. And so he runs back and he goes over there, washes off. He comes back. He goes, guys, I can see. So then he starts, he's going around, he's like, guys, look, I can see, this was crazy, you know, Jesus healed me, and some people are like, that is, that is amazing for you, yeah, but other people are like, that wasn't him, he just looks like him, you know, that's, that's not him, that's, that's some other guy, you're confused, he goes, no, 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 seriously, I was, I could, you know, I couldn't see, and now I can, that's crazy, and so they're like, no, we're going we're gonna to have to get this checked out, so they go to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are like, so, so you, you were blind, he goes, yeah, 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 so I was there, and I couldn't see, and then, then I could. And then they're like, nah, they, start to, they don't think he was even blind. So they, they, they call his parents, and they're like, is this your son? Was he born blind? And how can he see? And the parents are like, yeah, that's our son, and he was definitely born blind. But as for how he was, how he was healed, he's, he's old enough. Have him tell you. So they call him in again. It's, like, it's almost like a trial. They call him in again, and they ask him again, how are you not blind? And he's like, he's like dude, I already told you how I wasn't blind. So then they start going back and forth a little bit longer. And then the Pharisees are like, well, we follow Moses. We, we don't know this guy, this Jesus guy. We've never heard of him. And he's like, and then the guy, I love what the guy says. He goes, how does a man who can heal the blind not known to you guys? And they go back and forth. And they eventually, they kick that man out of the uh, tabernacle. So the man risked everything to stand before his community and the people of the most influence. He did that just to share his testimony. In front of the most educated people, his testimony was not some well-rehearsed philosophical or theological debate with deep research and scholarly backing. The man recognized that he knew nothing. All he knew was the grace, the amazing grace, that he was once blind and now he could see. And uh, I think Peter probably took a lot of inspiration from this story. Uh, In Acts 3, Peter and John go to a temple, and while they enter the gate called Beautiful, they see a man, a lame man, paralyzed from birth, begging for money. You know, from birth, was paralyzed, is begging. They're going in there. It's starting to sound familiar. And so the, the man and the Peter, that, uh, Peter and John and the man, they kind of look at each other. And then Peter goes, look at us. Here. Look at us. I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And, and that's what happens. The man was healed. He got up, Peter helped him up, and he walked around, and he started to he started to exclaim and praise what had happened. At the start, you see at the start, they looked intently at each other. 
And so the man would have surely been like, oh, I'm going to get some money. I'm going to get help doing something. Maybe they'll even give me a bed to sleep in tonight. But what Peter had was way better than what he had. The gift of healing, the gift of faith was more than the man was thinking about, surely. And so when he helped him up, he, got, he jumped up and he started praising Lord. And then he went into the temple with Peter and John. And he's like, guys, check this out. I'm like walking around and brought all those people to Peter. And Peter, Peter did a huge sermon and he preached to a large crowd of people because of that man. And it reminds me of 2 Timothy uh, 2 where it says, oh, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who may be, on, who may be able to pass them on to others. Peter saw Christ. He witnessed what Christ did in his teaching and knew the healing he could do. So Peter heard those teachings, and he, he began to tell everybody. He teached people those truths. And then he teached the man those truths with the power of healing, and then he instantly went around and started spreading the truth as well. They both witnessed something and then began to testify. Now, I got that story, the story of uh, uh, the gate of beautiful and Peter seeing the man. I got that from a song, as I, I often get a lot of uh, inspiration from songs. It's called Look at Me Now by uh, Pastor Mike Jr., uh, the song is a story, uses that story, the story of Peter and, uh, and John at the gate, as its introduction, and then uses that line, look at me now, as sort of an anthem throughout it. And the theme of the song is a bit of a stretch from the theme of the story, but the song talks about overcoming how the artist overcomes their struggles through the help of God and then becomes a witness. One of the lyrics is, I just want to take some time to testify about my life. I was down to nothing, but you came through in the nick of time. And I love, I love that line, look at me now. Like, look at where I was, and look at how I've now overcome. And so it, like, look, like, ask me how I became who I am. It's, it's almost like a challenge, it would seem, asking someone to look at, to look at them. I lost where I was. There I am. Uh, it's like, see who I am now, and then see who I give credit to. The song is a story of Christians giving God credit for their blessings. The song is about overcoming through Christ, about victory over sin, about, becoming, about being a witness and testifying. And we're supposed to be like a lamp reflecting Christ everywhere, a shining example and a witness of Christ's love and life. But sometimes it's hard to be that light. It's hard to, like, it's hard to be a witness and testify kind of like when you're down. So how do you, you, know, how do you be a light? How do you light a candle. You've got to find a flame. And I think that God can ignite our light in multiple ways. Maybe it's music, like we heard today, or, or a story, or something somebody did. But all, those have, all of those things have one thing in common. They're all something that you witness. I think the greatest flame is others' testimony. I mean, just look at what is said in Revelations, when Satan is thrown down to the earth. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did, the, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Uh, if you if you want to fight Satan, you know, like as Chase was talking about last week, this seems like a very powerful weapon. Your testimony is a very powerful weapon. Uh, it's great. We can use it to defeat our enemy. And so, like, I like to look at the stories of the youth or of the children in our church since they can be so inspiring. And I see the passion in the adults of our church and can't help but be moved. And you see uh, stories of what people have done. And it just feels so real. If, if these people, if our church, if our kids, if everyone, you know, all the Christians can be so passionate about their faith, if they can be witnesses and advocates of God, then how? Then I know that our faith can be true. 
And that's the power of, test of a testimony. That's what we want others to see. And, and let me share with you one of my favorite examples. A while back, Mom made us watch this web event, and she's always trying to get us to watch uh, stuff. She's always got this thing that she's going to read, uh, and usually we don't have much of a choice. But so, so she sat us down, and she's like, okay, guys, we're going to watch this three-hour thing. And I was like, no. And so after a few months, she finally got us to, to watch it. It was called Imprisoned for Christ, uh, and it was by an organization called The Voice of the Martyrs. And a martyr is a person, uh, by, the def by the dictionary definition, a martyr is a person who voluntary, voluntarily suffers death as a penalty of witnessing to and refusing to renounce a religion. In fact, the word martyr is, is Greek, and it's actually used in our Bible here in Acts 22.15. It says, for you are to be his martyrs, for you are to be his witnesses, telling everyone what you have seen and, seen and heard. So we are to be martyrs. We are to be witnesses for Christ. So I had this 17-minute video that I was going to share with you guys uh, that was actually me trimming down an hour-long talk, but um, I don't think that I kind of have that time now. So I think I'll just kind of paraphrase it. Uh, so as the title might have given away, Dan Bauman was imprisoned for Christ. He was imprisoned in Iran. When he was leaving the country after his missions trip, he spent about two, two weeks doing a missions trip. He's leaving there. He hands his passport over. He goes to sit down. They're working through it. And it's like his flight's getting ready to go. And he hasn't got his passport back. And then his flight goes. And he hasn't got his passport back. And then they come back. And they're like, hey, man, your, your passport. We have, we have an issue with your passport. So they take him back to the back room. And they start to beat him for six hours. And then they throw him in prison where he was beaten almost every day as a form of interrogation. He had two death sentences on his life, one for being a missionary and one for being a spy. Four times he tried to take his own life. Four times he tied his head to a sink and tried to drown himself. And four times he was able to escape. And on the fourth time, he fell to the ground and saw a vision, a bright light of Jesus smiling down on him. His cage, his little, well, yeah, it was probably cage, his cell turned all bright white and all he saw was Jesus and he saw in his eyes, it wasn't, it wasn't judgment, it wasn't anger, or con, you know, he didn't condone him. What he saw in Jesus, what he saw was understanding, what he saw was compassion. So Dan went on through the prison to go to his trial. They, he didn't know he was going to his trial. They, got, they, they took him out, grabbed his things, and they bust him over, and he found out he was going to his trial. And so they asked him what he was there for in Iran, and he just started to preach. 30 minutes he preached to the whole courtroom, and then he befriended the person who would beat him daily. And after nine weeks... He was, all charges were dropped, and he was actually released from prison. And I definitely do, didn't do that story any justice, and I'd recommend watching the program to see Dan tell his story. Uh, but trust me, it was, it was a powerful story. It was really impressive to see that. And for me, it was just super encouraging. I mean, this man was at the point of taking his life, and then he did it again and again and again. He was at that point four times. And that just makes me think, you know, if he can do that, and if he can find Jesus through that, then, then maybe he truly did find something. Maybe he found something that was really the truth, something that was really real. I mean, he sits in a, a few feet cell for 24 hours, and the only time he gets out is for his daily beatings. The only thing that was certain is that he would be there till he was dead, and with two death sentences, that wasn't probably going to be very long. But then, but then maybe he thought about that verse in Revelations. You know, he, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And all those other verses, and he realized, maybe he realized that he says that he realized that you can't kill a dead man. He realized that he had a purpose and that he was loved, even when he was at the lowest point in his life. And if he can have faith through this pain, then maybe I can keep my faith. To me, it's, like, it's just more real. Like I said, to see someone go through this story, to go through something that I can't even imagine or fathom of experiencing, for him to come out with that with Jesus, it's like, 
how does that not be true? And I'd really recommend if you have time to watch the whole story. Uh, in fact, there's the video, the little webinar has three stories, some live worship, and it's very encouraging. And I think that's why we need to share our testimonies and stories because it does encourage. It empowers and it emboldens anyone who can hear it. But even then, it seems hard for us in such a privileged lifestyle to take, to take advantage of it. Like Dan experienced something. When he was in prison for nine months, it was like a daily new thing. He always had something. He was, and, you know, he was as lowest, and he was really building on something. He experienced something. Nine weeks of torture, pain, all of that. And all I've done when I was writing this was procrastinate college preparation. And now recently, I've just been watching a lot of Full House. Like, it, it reminds me of this other lyric. It's, uh, it's, I never knew what freedom was until I learned what prison means. I think it's so easy to forget the freedom that we have. Uh, I read an article by a guy named John Piper that said something interesting. I think its title was, Is It Harder to Be a Christian in America? And it, it seems like a crazy idea. Because we're not, we're not persecuted. It's like, we, we have it easy. It's easy to worship God when you have the freedom of religion. But Christianity has some dangers in the United States because uh, this world is not our home. Uh, it, but it's so easy to get comfortable in it. It's so easy to sleep comfortably, so easy to come to church in the AC, to wear your nice clothes, to drive openly in your nice car, to eat well and to talk and hang out with whoever you want. With all this freedom, I feel like religion can maybe become a, r- a routine, not a relationship. We can get lost in tradition. We can get so lost in tradition that we lose the truth. So maybe we're in a prison, a prison of comfort. So don't get stuck in routine and don't forget the true freedom that was bought for you. Don't let your comfort cause a drift. Don't let your blessings be wedges between you and God, but be a witness. And, and most of us do probably suffer, not prison or daily beatings, maybe. But we, we each have our own sufferings. We each have our own temptations that we battle. We, we each have probably lost someone or maybe lost something or felt lonely or like no one loves us, like it's all fake or it's not real or like you're missing out. Or maybe you're scared or like you can't escape something or that you lack confidence in yourself or others. Each of us has a battle that we fight. And like Chase said last week, we need to fight those battles like David and like Goliath, like David and Goliath, defeating sin and glorious battle to find confidence in Christ, to discover the love God has for you, and to realize your genuine freedom. But something I wanted to mention with that, with that battle, the glorious battle, it's all, ooh, it's all fun, you know, this, this, this picture of a mighty warrior defeating a battle, but there are also times to flee, which I know doesn't sound very manly or glorious or warrior-like, but Paul, Paul talks a lot about it. Like in 1 Corinthians, he says to flee from sexual sin and immorality, and in 2 Timothy, he says to flee from anything that stimulates lust. So sometimes we're to be like those brave warriors of David and Goliath, defeating our troubles and overcoming those things that we fight. But other times we're supposed to be like Joseph with Potiphar's wife. So maybe being a true warrior is knowing the battles that you can fight versus the ones that you'll lose. But even with every, but like every historic battle, when you go through battle, they always share their story. Once you've defeated your inner demons, once you've overcome temptation, once you've fleed from your addiction, tell someone. First John 1, 1 through 12 says, We proclaim to you the one whom existed from the beginning, whom, have, whom, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Once you've discovered that life, 
Tell someone about it. Tell how it happened. And I know every battle we fight maybe isn't ending in a victory. You know the verse, iron sharpens iron. Go tell someone. Go seek help. But once you've overcome, tell other people. Testify about what has God has done with you. And I know all this talk is for the victorious among us. I know it's, it, it can be hard to stand, to sit in a pew, and maybe you just can't win. And it's like, this is just not, I, I can't apply this to me. I, I don't have a story to share. I, I haven't won. For those struggling, which is everyone in some way, uh, God will provide for you that you, that way you will have something to testify about. God loves you so much more than you can even comprehend. Think back to the story of Peter and the lame man. I, there, I love this commentary that I read about it. Is that the man, the man was sitting there and he was just asking for food. He's just like, I need a little money, probably just wanting to get through the next day. He's like, I'm just trying to find a meal for tomorrow or whatever. And then he, so he, that's all he's begging for is money is for maybe a place to sleep. But then Peter comes up to him, Peter and John come up to him, and he can't, he can't even, he doesn't even think to ask for healing, but they gave it to him. What the man wanted, what he was expecting, and what he asked for was so feeble-minded when compared to what the mighty God had in mind. The man simply asked for a temporary supply to get him through the next day. Peter gave life-changing love, faith, and healing. And the man didn't stand up. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't healed, and he's like, well, shoot, now where am I, what am I going to eat? I mean, he stood up, and he, boom, instantly started to tell everyone what had just happened. God's plan was so much better than the man had thought could happen. And I always tried to loop in hope into my messages. I always try to mention Christ about salvation because I think our generation and our nation and our world needs it, kind of like what Brant was saying. So I'm going to share something that Jesus said, and it's kind of long, but we're going to read through it real fast, I hope, because apparently I'm a fast talker. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to, or, and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't, there more, isn't life more than food or your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't, look, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the fields and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildfires that are here today and thrown to the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, and your heavenly Father already knows all you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The lame man was so worried about food and about water and about where he would be that he didn't even think to ask for salvation. Wouldn't your eternal life be more important than tomorrow's meal? And the Pharisees, they were so worried about the law that they couldn't see the grace of a man who could not walk walking in front of them. No matter what battle or trouble, we can each be a witness to the glory of God, a martyr for Christ. Dare someone to look at you now. Explain how God transformed you. Why? Because it helps me, because it motivates me and shows me that it's true, but not just because of me, because it shows your kids about God. It proves to the youth that God is real so much more than any lesson could. It sharpens the men who are failing, and it motivates the women who feel like they fall short. And when you feel down, look around and find something to witness. God is all around us, in all of creation, and in every story of man. I'll end in this quote. 
Only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, and a trial, a trial into a trumpet, a triumph, and a victim into a victory. Let's share those stories. Let's testify about what God has done. And let's pray. Dear Lord, thanks for everything that you do for us. Thanks for the stories that you share and given us in the Bible, testimonies of people before us, and thanks for the testimonies that we have of people now and after. Be with us to remember words spoken today by me, the songs sang by the band, and words spoken by Brant. Be with us to apply uh, those things to our lives. In your name I pray, amen.